What are you eating? It's like a, a huge pop. Piece of bread with butter and jam. <laughs> Interesting. Should we get started then? Yeah, I'm going to turn up my volume. I wonder if that would uh, boost the recording volume, maybe. Okay. Let's do this! Let's do this! Season 3, Episode 5. Welcome yeah. to Soul Rewind, part of that Rewind show. Welcome to that Rewind show. This is our Soul Rewind series. How, and, how, how uh, would we introduce it? Fuck's sake, I don't know. That's that good enough. That's what it is. That, 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 no, hang on. The main site's called That Rewind Show, and this is called Soul Rewind? Yeah. Okay, not That Soul Rewind. Yeah, that's right. Okay. All right. Here we go. And my name is Simon Wilson. What's your and name? My name is Jamie Wilson. Ah, we're brothers. Pleased to see you, yeah, brother. Yeah. You too, brother. <laughs> I feel very crooky. I'll try to mute my microphone whenever I have to clear my throat. That would be very gracious of you. <laughs> I'm in a very gracious mood. Good. I'm glad we caught you in a gracious mood. Welcome to Chicanery. <laughs> you and your uh, chicanery, Simon. I know. It's terrible. i got to stop chicaning one of these days. <laughs> yeah, definitely need to do that. So yep. yeah, this episode opened with a flashback. So we're straight back yes. into the flashbacks. This time we're uh, meeting Rebecca. I think mm-hmm. this is the second time that we've met Rebecca in the whole show, isn't it? This is only the second time that we've met Chuck's ex-wife. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, she's coming to dinner and Chuck wants to pretend that he's not sick. That's right. He wants to hide his condition. That's right. So we open the show Rebecca. up and Chuck's um, house is full of workmen who are reinstating the electrics that he pulled out, that he ripped out. So they're reinstating all of the fixtures and the fittings um, to make it seem like there is normally electric. Right. Yeah. He, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is Chuck running a scam on Re- uh-huh. Rebecca. Yeah. Um, of course, they're not actually going to use electric. She turns up and he fakes a power outage. He claims that his, um, his neighbors in 215 didn't pay their bill. But of course, yeah. the power company messed up and they switched off his power in 512 or vice versa. I don't know what his house number is. What am I, a stalker? I don't know what Chuck's <laughs> house number is. Do you know what Chuck's house number is? Um, it's, e- it's either 512 or 215. <laughs> You're very good at repeating what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. And Jimmy says something curious. He says, in my experience, the bigger the lie... And then he said, I forget actually paraphrasing, the bigger the lie, the worse it gets, um, the harder it is to cover up down the road or some shit like that, which he says yeah. in his experience. So Jimmy's got plenty of experience in this area, and he knows that the bigger the lie, the harder it is to cover up down the road. Yeah, you keep your lies simple. <laughs> That's how to be a successful con man. Yeah, keep it simple. 
So uh, she turns up for dinner. She's out of the country, so she's on tour. So she is a musician or a conductor. I think she's a conductor or a trainer, like somebody that helps organize the orchestra. Anyway. You think? I thought she was an actual player. I thought she plays um, cello or something, doesn't she? I think she does, but I think like the nature of the conversation that she has on the phone, she's talking about. Uh, more managerial aspects of the orchestra, like them okay. coming in at the wrong time, and she said that she's going to work on it with them, or she's going to oh, I see, build them on it or something. So I got the impression that she's helping to organize part okay, of the orchestra. Okay, interesting. Maybe, and that was the main conductor calling her to call to complain about her section, and she said no, but I'll tell them to etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is that how orchestras work? Do I didn't they have, know like, there were section I, managers. I didn't notice. That, I didn't know there was a hierarchy in orchestras. Um, well, the conductor's definitely part of the hierarchy, but is there well, a separate hierarchy behind the scenes? Is there a yeah, more subtle hierarchy, perhaps? Um. <laughs> they must all have tuition. It's like <laughs> professional sports people just don't go out on the field on their own. Like they've got coaches and they've got... So I imagine like an orchestra is the same. These big orchestras, they've got people that teach the orchestra and they mm. work on songs and they give advice. And you know what I mean? There must be. Maybe. Like, like musical director coaches and yeah 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 maybe maybe she's a musical director yeah or something like that something like that anyway um but she's there for dinner they have a lovely dinner her and jimmy and chuck um which is a bit odd and i can't remember if we ever were clear why they were all having dinner is it just because she's in town or is it was it for some other reason yeah, I think she's just passing through town, I thought maybe, or something like that, up. because she's she's telling Chuck all about her travels. Yes, that's right. And they are, they're catching up and there's a bit of chit chat. Um, she takes a phone call during dinner, which really triggers yeah. Chuck. His um, It triggers his condition. Chuck has a crack attack. <laughs> yeah, he totally flips out. Her cell phone rings and he tries to run away from it, but everywhere he he goes, she seems to follow him with his phone, yeah. with her phone, and he's getting more and more worked up until he rips the phone out of her hand and throws it across the room. Dun yes. dun, dun. dun dun dun. Very abusive behavior. Yeah, I mean, at the first at the first glance, um, she's taken aback by it. She. Uh, yeah. She, she has a go at him. She's like, what is wrong with you or something like that? And uh, and then he makes up some bullshit excuse. Like he says, it's so rude. Oh, it's bad manners to use the phone when you're at dinner with someone. In company, um, but, yeah. But that, that doesn't really paper over the cracks, if you know what I mean. But then she lets him get away with it. She's sort of apologetic. And I got the impression that she's used to this sort of behavior from Chuck. And that, that kind this of is. Burst. Yeah, and that this is sort of why they're not together anymore. I wondered about that because um, she did become very apologetic. And really, yeah. like, in that kind of a situation, I can't imagine that that would be the natural response. Yeah. Unless she was a bit scared, like, by his outburst. And then she's like, oh, my God, you're so right. I'm very sorry. and I need to get out of here. Um, mm. But, yeah, I wondered if that was a sign of previous behavior, too. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he has this little meltdown, chucks the phone across the room. He tries to cover it up by saying about how it's incredibly bad manners. Um, and then he said that he reacted very abruptly and uh, she just wants to get out of there. So she mm. books herself a taxi and um, off she goes. Jimmy wants Chuck to try to smooth it over a bit more. But what can he say? Like, what is he going to say after that? 
Yeah, nothing really. It's like he, she's there and, and he's trying to win her back. Like he was talking about whether he should wear his wedding ring or take the wedding ring off and all this carry on. Mm. And then he just fucking loses his shit over a phone call. He could have yeah. ran upstairs or anywhere. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I yeah, mean? That's true. I Don't thought you could yourself in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but anyway, he just did a shit attack and off he went. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was the end of our little flashback into Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Rebecca and Chuck's past. And Rebecca's um, last name, I think, is Bois. I think later she says her name's Rebecca Bois, which means drink. Drink in uh, <laughs> French. So her name's Rebecca yeah. Drinks. Rebecca uh, Drinks. I feel like I need a drink. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was um it seemed quite abusive that that level of behavior. And then to blame her is another sign of like domestic abuse, isn't it? That you flip mm-hmm. out and then blame the other person for your outburst. Um, right. but anyway, so from there, we have an opening scene with the bus stop. So we've got a bus stop with Jimmy's ad on it. Um, and then we're into the real world present day um, show with Jimmy at the vets, this time with mm-hmm. a fish in a plastic bag. He brought his goldfish to the vet for a check. <laughs> yeah, so Jimmy visits um, the vet. This is our uh, the vet character, which is our connection to the underworld, I guess, the shitty um, cartel world. Mm-hmm. I thought it was quite telling this. If you think about the two characters between Mike and Jimmy, like whenever Mike had a reason to go to the vet, he needed to go to the vet to get his shit, whatever it was. I can't remember. Like, was it his cocaine or whatever? And he brought a puppy. So he had like a full on proper puppy. Um, (laughs) Whereas Jimmy had like a goldfish in a bag. Like who takes a goldfish to see a vet? You know what I mean? (laughs) So I thought that spoke a bit about the two characters and how they're very different. Mm, Yeah. Mike takes it much more seriously. Jimmy is a fucking carnival fish. Yeah. So Jimmy is the fish in the bag and he needs to arrange something. The vet freaks out about the poor fish. Yeah, the the fish is going to suffer. She's going to suffocate in there because she's a girl fish and um, she's suffocating in there. I think um, that's a counterpoint to Rebecca being suffocated by Chuck. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So she is being suffocated in there, poor little fish. Um, yeah, he has all this compassion for the fish, but then we do know this vet to be an arranger um, for the mob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so for the cartel, if you need a hitman, he's your he's your guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah funny. Very compassionate about animals. It was the so, same yeah. way for Mike Brook and his brother and his dog. That's right. So this is um this is all set up the last scene and this scene for what's going to happen in the finale of the, yeah. the episode. That's right. So Jimmy needs somebody with a light touch, mm-hmm. a little bit of finesse, um, yeah. and he manages to organize it through the vet. He asks whether or not the man needs to fit in a tight space. Just mm-hmm. a bit of comedy. <laughs> um, and from there we cut to Kim at Mesa Verde. So Kim is um, Aunt Mesa Verde and she is there really delighted, but Kim's a bit nervous and she tells them all about the upcoming hearing with the Bar Association, just in case it reflects badly on her and their relationship because they're yeah. involved. And um, I think here we get to see how Kim is emotionally invested in um, the success of the Mesa Verde uh, yeah. client. So um yeah, she's very excited um, and very happy at all the positive props that she's getting from them. 
And uh, she's happy and relieved whenever the guy basically brushes off this business with Chuck and says, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah. And, However, uh, I feel it's a bit of foreshadowing. Um, we're getting built up think? for the fall because, yeah, Kim's getting, well, it seems like she's emotionally invested. We're getting built up on her investment and the amount of work she's putting in on Mercy Verde. And this is, um, yeah. this is prelude to disaster. Dun dun dun! Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Have you watched on? Are you giving no. us spoilers? No, I um, haven't. I have no idea what's going to happen next. <laughs> so yeah, uh, then we cut from that scene. We cut to um, they check it Chuck? out. Hustle, Hus- yeah, oh! I'm Charlie, I'm Charlie Hustle over here. Charlie Hustle with your coffee mm-hmm. mug for anybody watching on our Patreon page. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever we finally set one up, we're going to post all these videos. How embarrassing. Um, so, yeah, so Chuck is in with the Bar Association and they're showing him the room that the hearing is going to be in. Isn't that this part of the story? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the arrangements with regards to the electricity and turning the lights off and moving the clock and all that kind of stuff. And um, after that's finished, Howard has a, a conversation with Chuck and he's very nervous about um, Chuck testifying or being present at the hearing. Um, tries yep. to spin it around his mental health that he is. Does, does Chuck want to put himself under all this pressure given that it's a slam dunk case? Mm-hmm. Um and Chuck thinks that he's just worried about PR and the reputation of the firm. Yeah, I mean, I think Howard here is just doing his job as the leader of the company. He's uh, wanting to yeah. defend the company's reputation and he's concerned about what will happen if things go sideways. Yeah, that's right. Especially with Chuck being the named partner that if, if it's a very, very public setting, you know, when mm-hmm. it's all there for on record, if something happens. And yeah. So- go ahead. In the back of the room, although we're not quite there yet, there's a woman sitting in the back right corner of the room who we don't get um, a close-up view of. And we don't, as far as I can tell, she's a character we haven't seen before. I have a feeling she may be a reporter. I don't know if um, she's going to be brought back into it or if this is just a lurker that serves no purpose. But, is this um, during the tour or is this during the trial, the hearing? This is during the actual hearing that comes up later, yeah. Oh, um, she's there were a couple of there. lurkers in the room. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of lurkers. There were also some sitting on the right-hand side of the panel too. There was like a pair sitting at a small table, which mm-hmm. I thought looked a bit odd, but anyway. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this scene ends with them. Um, Howard is pretty much saying, does Chuck really need to testify? Chuck doesn't want to leave anything to chance. He thinks that... Um, if he does, then um, Jimmy could walk away with a slap on the wrist and not disbarment. So Chuck mm-hmm. is definitely chasing disbarment. And he says right at the end, let justice be done through the heavens fall. So justice mm-hmm. has to be done regardless of the consequences for the firm um, right. is pretty much what he's saying. But I, I wonder what those consequences will be. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> wonder. Um, yep. So, yeah, from here we move to... Oh, this is quite a clever scene. I liked how they should shot the next scene. So we've got on the screen, we've got um, Jimmy and Kim getting ready in the morning, but we've mm-hmm. also got the introduction from the bar. So the sound that we hear is a voiceover from the bar association introducing the case and kind of right. setting up what they're there to do. So it's quite a nice way that they've put that together. 
Um, Jimmy and Kim are brushing their teeth and yeah, and arriving at the hearing into hearing room 253. Don't know if that has the significance as a number, mm. 253. And um, then hired as the first witness on the stand. Right. Um, what is that film, the Shining film, room two? It's not, it's room 237, room Shining film. I don't know. Yeah. We have had a lot of... Um, yeah, it's room, two, it's room 237. That's, um, not 253. Not 253. Maybe it has no significance. Maybe. At all. None at all. So Hart's the first person on the stand, and he's um, pretty much t- telling the story of what we hear, of what happened. Like, whenever we join Hart, he's saying about the banging on the door, mm-hmm. and he's telling the story of the cassette and the fight and everything else. And when it's Kim's turn to cross-examination, she wants to cross-examine Hart. She wants to go into um, much more detail about how him and Jimmy first met, did Jimmy work for him, what was Jimmy's nickname, and so on and so on, really to establish this um, quite a clever way of getting into the the nitty-gritty of the relationship between Jimmy and Chuck and how it's all gone wrong, like this background story where Chuck has um, always had some kind of deep-seated need to take vengeance on Jimmy for their childhood, and this is just one of the ways that it has manifested itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, that Chuck was always very against him becoming a lawyer and was always kind of out to get him. So this is a good way for Kim to kind of start to paint that that picture of their relationship. Right. I loved whenever she asked about why Jimmy wasn't appointed a lawyer, as um, why they didn't take him on as a lawyer whenever mm-hmm. he bootstrapped his way through law school, etc. And um, and <laughs> hard to some say stupid comment about nepotism, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, about nepotism, that, that that was the main objection, was nepotism. They didn't want to make it seem like Jimmy was being given um, special treatment. And of course, Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill, it's like father and son plus Chuck, um, which is the definition of nepotism, really. I mean, Anything I don't know why they this didn't... Bit? No, Sorry. not really, no. Um, it's like, I don't know why these couldn't have just said, look, he got his degree from... Um, the University of Western Samoa or whatever, wherever it is. Um, I mean, would it not be enough to say that Jimmy was just underqualified um, for a law firm of that stature? I would have thought. But anyway, um, no, I think it was good. A, a little bit of exposition. And uh, they're just, just just painting the picture of what's the two sides in the trial. One is saying that Jimmy is an egregious lawbreaker. And the other is saying that... Um, this is a family dispute and therefore it doesn't really, it doesn't really display, you know, who Jimmy's going to be as a lawyer. Yeah. Right. It's more to do with this battle between these brothers here. And um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it also gives them a chance to talk about um, Jimmy taking care of Chuck for a long time, like all mm-hmm. those years, that even though all this has happened, that Jimmy takes care of Chuck and he brings his newspaper every day and everything else. So kind of just establishing that, that those acts of service, I guess. Jimmy is mm-hmm. waiting for something to happen. So you keep seeing him overlooking um, to his secretary. Something's being delayed. We don't know what that is. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just as the tape is about to be played, he asks if um, they can stall for a moment. And from there we cut to Chuck, who's rehearsing his speech. So this is another scene where uh, we, we've seen this quite a lot, where Jimmy or Chuck is rehearsing. Usually it's Jimmy that's rehearsing before he goes in to testify in court or before he goes into um, with his closing or opening. Um, and yeah. here we see Chuck doing the same Chuck. thing, deciding what to say. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, he reference. says, um, he's fi- go ahead. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. No, you go. What was your reference? You go, you go, you go. <laughs> Fine. Well, I thought there was a subtle reference there because uh, to um, to Star Wars when he says there's good in him, because that's a comment that Luke makes about Anakin Skywalker. He says there's good in him. I can sense it. Um, I can sense the goodness in him when he's talking about Darth Vader. And then there was a previous scene where I just really felt whenever uh, Chuck was walking into the boardroom that time. And I thought, this is really Star Warsy. This is very Darth Vader. This oh, yeah. Stalking into the boardroom. But then um, <laughs> in the end, Chuck didn't pull out that line. He said something else about Jimmy, something similar. Um, but it, in his rehearsal, he said that. Ah, there was another um, illusion. Oh, yeah. It's later. Um, he says, the way he treats the law breaks my heart. And... <laughs> That reminded me of The Godfather, I think, um, when uh, the Don has to get rid of his own brother, um, Fred, Fred, Fredo, Fred, Fred, I for fuck's sake, I so long as I've seen The Godfather. <laughs> anyway, he has to offer his own brother, and before he sends him out into the boat with the hitman, he says, you broke my heart. Oh, <laughs> yeah. it's that time. Yeah, um, so. I was going to just draw draw attention to his reference of Ted Kaczynski, which was the Unabomber. So it's a nice thing oh. to when Chuck has previously described Jimmy as a chimp with a machine gun. So it's, it really <laughs> does kind of put across his his true how he truly feels. Like right. to Jim to Chuck, Jimmy is this fucking um, is just going to destroy. He, he just destroys yeah. the law. You know, he's, he's just going with a machine gun. He's the he's unibom- gonna, unibomber and wreaks yeah, havoc gonna, and destruction wherever he goes. He's going to wipe his ass with the legal code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then we get the playing of the tape. So then we hear the tape being played and uh, Chuck gets called to the stand. Mm-hmm. So they prepare the room, they take the clock off the wall, they turn off everything, they gather up everybody's electronics. And then Chuck comes up, um, you see Chuck arriving um, with Howard out to the front and we get a little little scene on his way up the stairs where he gets bumped into in the hall. Mm -hmm. And then um, he's in and on the stand. So he starts to give his testimony yes. about how um, what happened basically and how clever Jimmy was to cover his tracks and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gives his testimony about what happened and why he thinks it happened and everything else um, about how he exaggerated his symptoms and, and, and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, this, the, uh, the, Chuck's side starts off first just trying to set, set Chuck up um, as a as um, the reasonable party in the situation and trying to rationalize yeah. his illness. Um, and Chuck compares it to um, peanut allergies. And it was a long time before anyone realized peanut allergies was a thing. Yes, and, um, that's right. Yeah. I mean, whether Chuck's illness is a thing, a big thing or not, is 
I think it's to an extent still undecided um, if it's a real thing in the real world. I know that it's sort of hokey, I guess, but um, but uh, I've definitely heard or known people who claim to have sensitivity to things like overhead lights and, um, you know, various different, all that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. Whether it's a real medical condition, I don't think has been established. Like, I don't know. But we yeah. know that in Chuck's case that it isn't because of the experiment, the little test that the doctor did previously whenever he was in hospital and she flicked on the electronics and she didn't, he didn't notice and, mm-hmm. you know, other things. It's always kind of been hinted at that, um, that it's a mental illness rather than a physical condition. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, and then when Jimmy, um, when Jimmy takes to the stand, then he uh, tries to get at Chuck over his um, condition. That's right. Really um, getting in depth about it. He wants to be very specific about, you know, mm-hmm. what it feels like and can Chuck sense it from different directions, mm-hmm. really getting into the detail. Yeah. And um, the, he produces the photos that Mike took. Um, uh, uh, in, in Chuck's place, showing the extent of um, the modifications Chuck's made in his place to um, accommodate his illness. Yeah. And, uh, it's all about to me it's all about producing eliciting some form of embarrassment from chuck particularly whenever the wife arrives or the ex-wife um rebecca arrives that's Uh, right jimmy has brought her there um and i think he brought her there to essentially get chuck to destabilize him yeah and so he'd be suffering this embarrassment and then um, his vengeful sort of anger will come out. Yeah, I think so too, that it was there to provoke Chuck um, for sure. I think it also kind of harps back to that scene where um, Chuck arrives at the boardroom whenever they're first discussing the Sandpiper Crossing case and Chuck said that he was there to bear witness. Mm-hmm. And I almost think that that's kind of Jimmy making sure that Rebecca was there to bear witness to Chuck's undoing, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So she's there. Uh, Hart has a little chat with her. Chuck asks for a break and he has a little chat with her mm-hmm. um, she's not there as a witness. And then, um, yeah, we go on with the questioning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's a lot of fuss made about the tape and about the context and where it was recorded. And I think that was the reason, like one of the reasons Jimmy and Kim were so keen that the tape was played was so that they could introduce all the evidence about Chuck's illness and the context and everything else. Just the extent of the, the lengths that, Chuck went to to get that confession from Jimmy is kind of astounding, really. You know, yes. that he would completely deck out <laughs> his house in fucking Kevlar blankets. You know, it's just yeah. a bit mad and yeah. those shiny space blankets. Um, and, and then, of course, of course Chuck, Chuck, Chuck's team are trying to say that this is all about just uh, making sure that the law is abided by. And Jimmy tried to stitch up their case and they're trying to get evidence in it. They're trying to try to put it as all some rational endeavor. Um, whereas it Jimmy's side is trying to portray it as just a result of uh, Chuck's uh, Chuck's uh, vendetta against Jimmy and how it's all really about the relationship and not really about yeah. trying to do right by the law or anything like that. For sure. And also just saying, showing that Jimmy 
would have said anything. He thought that Chuck was having a mental breakdown and he would have said anything to make Chuck feel better, as he said, you know, that yeah. that what his con- his confession was a result of the environment and not because he actually did anything wrong. It was because Chuck was having a fucking meltdown. Right. You know, he was he was completely off the off the tracks. Um so yeah, then they get into this physical the physicalness of the condition and the specifics around, you know, can Chuck feel it from different directions and stuff? And Chuck kind of catches on and he's like, oh, do you have a cell phone in your pocket, Jimmy? And he really starts to play it up then because Jimmy pulls out the cell phone and there's no battery in it. And Chuck thinks that this is great, that he's showcasing that Jimmy is such like a, it's such a, a chicanery as he puts it, the namesake of the episode. This is Jimmy's typical chicanery. It's like a yeah. really secondary at con. Mm-hmm. He didn't even put a battery in the, um, in the, Bone, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and um, then Chuck's ahead. like, "Oh, could I answer any more of your questions or something?" Thinking he's just all triumphant, <laughs> and Jimmy's like, "Check your so breast pocket." <laughs> so it's like, um, and then so he goes into the pocket, he pulls out the battery, and immediately throws it onto the floor, yeah. just in a similar way that he threw Rebecca's phone at the start of the episode. He just that's right, grabs it, throws it, and. Uh, instant reaction and it's like yeah so there you go i mean uh and then chuck explodes doesn't he is that when he explodes yeah Yeah, he explodes right there a bit later he explodes a bit later because at the start it was the they did the whole thing with um they explained how it ended up in chuck's pocket that the guy was there and he was going to testify that he dropped it into his pocket whenever he was bumped into in the hallway Mm -hmm. and that this was the scam that jimmy had set up with the vet this is the guy that he needed with a bit of finesse to be able to plant this battery on chuck in this on the stairs um Mm -hmm. and then it was whenever whenever chuck's lawyer or the prosecutor the equivalent of the prosecutor um objected and linked he almost compared Chuck's condition to schizophrenia and that was whenever Chuck fucking lost his yeah, shit. Okay. Yeah. Because it's the, stig- it's the stigma of a mental illness, you know? Yeah. Um, that really gets his good up. <laughs> yeah. And even Chuck, it's like, he's a self-hating mentally ill person. You know, he's like, a, he, yeah. uh, he's, he stigmatizes himself. That's um, it. The next part yeah. of the scene, the acting was fantastic. I thought it was really well done. Chuck, you know, Chuck was incredible. Yeah, just brilliant. Really good. Really good. Perfectly mm. timed, delivered brilliantly. His lines were delivered brilliantly. It was just excellent. Really good. And then we saw a, this image of Chuck from a distance with the exit sign from behind the exit sign and the loud buzzing of the yeah. exit sign. And it's just the look on Chuck's face was very um, gaunt, you know. Yeah, that's almost uh, like a little link back to some of the scenes that we had in the salon where people were bathed in red light or it was shot, but from behind a source of red light. True. Those particularly tense scenes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the intensity of the scene is just, it's, it's pretty incredible the way that Chuck loses his shit and mm-hmm. really goes to town right back to their childhood where Jimmy's stealing money from the till. Mm-hmm. You get the whole sense of how this is a very personal attack. It isn't really, it doesn't really have anything to do with this incident. It's about Chuck not wanting Jimmy to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. You know, he almost, yeah. one of the last things that he says in his rant is that they have to stop him when he's talking to the people like the hearing board, like the board mm-hmm. that they have to stop him. Can't they see? They have to stop. They have to put a stop to this. Um, 
yeah, sad times. Yeah, and then in the closing statements, um, Kim, um, in the closing statements, um, where is oh, this? Oh, that comes later. That's in the next episode. Oh, that's the next episode. Sorry, I'm so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but yeah, that was the end right there, was it? Yeah, that yeah. was the end of the episode. And that was it. So we pan up to the exit sign and that's the end. Left on a cliffhanger. We don't know what's going to happen. Right. Um, and yeah, so quite a snappy little episode. Not mm-hmm. too much in terms of developments. It's like a lot of things are kind of being tied up now. Um, so yeah. this storyline's been coming for a bit of time. Yeah. And it was, I didn't, a, it was uh, a, nice, a nice little cliffhanger. I didn't pay as much attention to the things like the composition and the scenes and the things in the background and all that stuff. I, I noticed in the in the in the in the boardroom or the courtroom there, there was these big murals along the back wall, these big paintings of um what yeah. appeared to be some rainbow colors and stuff like that. And I felt that was um just uh indicative of um Jimmy's colorful um way with the law. Uh, which we, yeah, we got to see, sure. you know, Jimmy, this is the first time we've really seen Jimmy in full stride in a courtroom environment. We've seen him once or twice defending some Egypts in court. Yeah. Um, but this was the first time we really, so, really saw him doing the lawyer, the courtroom lawyer thing. And um, I think even Kim was a bit taken aback at one point about how good he was at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, it is. Good it's kind of good to, to see the procedure it's almost like they break it down step by step and they, they they're very methodical about how they build the the pictures the story aren't they really yeah yeah both chuck whenever he's doing his testifying and also jimmy whenever he's questioning they, they it's like very slowly build up this picture i mean you have to i mean where do you sit with this i mean i see i think chuck's right like it's hard not to yeah Kim in Kim's closing statement, she makes okay, it's the next episode, all right. But she makes um a comment that um, you know, Jimmy is just uh, Jimmy's an asset to the legal community, uh, yeah, uh, instead of a, a harm to it. But that turns out to be very ironic in in a sense that uh, in a way, you know, we know because we know the future um, of Breaking Bad and all the rest of it, but we know that Chuck's basically right. Um, That's right. So it is. There is sort of a tragedy, a tragic element to all of this. Um, Chuck's motives may not be entirely pure, but um, there's an extent to which he's right about Jimmy. For sure. Well, Jimmy's guilty of what Chuck is accusing him of. He went in mm-hmm. and he tampered with the evidence, and yeah, like he did that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he did that. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So yeah, it is. It is interesting, and it's almost the like Chuck's intent and. At the start of that that hearing scene where he's saying justice has to be served regardless of the consequences. Mm. And in a way, his outburst really jeopardizes whether or not justice will be served because yeah. it totally, even though Jimmy is guilty of what he's accused of, now there's mm. all this distraction in terms of Jimmy and Chuck's relationship that's completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Stick to the fact. Um, yeah. But yeah. Should we get stuck into episode six? Should we just if you want to do it? Yeah, sure. If you want to, yep. Let's do it. So, so episode six starts out with Hector and Nacho. Um, 
at uh, one of the little cafes, the little Mexican restaurant there, and the menu's got all sorts of wonders on it, like taquitos and flautas, and um, yeah, yeah, it just makes you want to eat there. Reading that list of <laughs> yummies, um, those little kind of Mexican restaurants—the really authentic ones—are always the best. Yeah, I know. I'd love. Apart to from that there. one we went to in Winnipeg, that was awful. Was that in Winnipeg that we went to the Mexican? That was terrible. Place? Yeah, don't, yeah, that was no good. But. Um, yeah, we me me we lived next uh, just around the corner from a Mexican bakery when we were in Vegas, and God was it good, yeah. so good! All the meat cooking in there, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> it was so delicious. Um, Fucking carnivores, yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, Hector and Nacho, Nacho is um, taking the weekly payments from the local dealers. Yeah. Uh, and um, one guy comes in and he's a bit light. He doesn't have much money. And he says one of the one of his guys, um, one of his guys uh, got spooked or something and threw his, um, I don't know, what is it? Stash, something like that or whatever. He dumped. Oh, his, he got uh, lifted by the cops. He got, he got scooped lifted by the, by the cops. <laughs> scooped. And he threw I his stash he or said. whatever. And he lost the money. So um and then yeah. Nacho, Nacho is quite a sympathetic fellow. Where again, Nacho is one yeah. of these characters where, where well, they're all like this. Really, I mean, the only character in this show that isn't a bit like that. Well, the only two characters are probably Kim and Howard, who you can basically read as being what they are on the surface is who they are. Yeah, but everyone else is a double character: Jimmy, Chuck, yeah. um, Mike. Nacho, um, they've got like you kind of want to sympathize with them and you've got a lot of empathy for them. Like you yes. almost grew to like them, mm-hmm. and yet they're such scumbags sometimes. Yeah. Um so, so, yeah, Nacho, it, so Nacho has sympathy for the guy. Yeah. Um, but Hector's not satisfied, so Nacho has to take him in the back and give him a saying to beat the shit out of him. Yeah, I thought this was quite an interesting comparison about how Gus's approach is so different to how Hector's approach for their little cartel businesses. Like here we've got Nacho and Hector sitting in a cafe where their dealers have to come in and like give them the cash, like they come in and they hand over the money. Mm -hmm. Whereas with Gus, his guys were driving all over the city and collecting the cash in these predetermined (laughs) drop-off points almost. So it's much more complex. secretive and more discreet and more complex and more considered. Whereas uh-huh. Hector and Nacho, they're just like, bring the fucking money to the cafe. Yeah. You know, yeah, much more right casual. Enough. So I thought that was quite interesting. I can't imagine. Um, yeah. That poor guy. I wonder what happened to him. He was dragged into the kitchen. Yeah. Um, but then we get, we, but then we get to see Nacho right away with the sewing machine. And so in one, in in one scene he's breaking up breaking a guy apart and then the next scene he's sewing through cloth together he's putting something I know. together <laughs> almost romantic in a way until he sews through his hand god yeah. what a pain threshold he must have he didn't even flinch yeah very graphic when he pulled that needle out yeah yeah it was and then we yeah. flip over to hear Kim's closing statement. So mm-hmm. we flip from there into the bar hearing and we hear um, Kim closing, talking about Jimmy's clients. So she references how long the hearing has lasted. So I don't know if it went on over several days or if it was just a very long day. Mm. But the courtroom or the hearing room is now full of Jimmy's clients. You see them lined up behind her. So they all the old people have come in to testify or to say how good Jimmy is for them and everything else. Um, and yeah, so <clears throat> she's pretty much 
am going sticking to the story. She's pretty much sticking to the story. I'll just uh, yeah. edit this bit up. <laughs> Um, and sticking to the story and saying, yes, he did break in. Yes, he did lose his timber with Chuck. Did he destroy evidence? No, he didn't. Yeah. And the, um, the, 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 the phrase she used that I didn't get to before is, uh, is the legal profession better because Jimmy's in it? And that's, that's, that's the big joke because obviously the kind of lawyer that Jimmy turns out to become is not the kind of lawyer that um, improves the legal profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, although the people that Jimmy represents do need representation, but Jimmy does skirt the law quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, maybe I'm being too down on Jim. Maybe he turns out, I, I, you know, honestly, it's so long since I've seen Breaking Bad. I, I really can't remember what nefarious deeds Jimmy gets up to. I know he helps him to launder the money, does he? Or he connects, yeah. um, he connects um, Walter with... Uh, does he connect Walter with uh, Gus? I forget how it all unfolds. I don't know how it all unfolds, but um, yeah, but yeah, maybe remember. I'm being too hard on Jim at times, but uh, yeah. Um, I, I honestly can't remember either. Was he a proper scumbag or was he just a defender of criminals? Just, just a trashy kind of lawyer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so that's where we're left with the court the hearing yeah right? so he gets the 12 month suspension so we cut to i think them celebrating don't they they're having champagne at jimmy's that's it no they're not they're at the office champagne at the office so they head yeah. back to the office for champagne no rest for the wicked poor old kim is hitting the books again straight after probably um and rebecca arrives yeah rebecca bois arrives yeah and um She's worried about poor old Chuck won't answer the door. Uh, yeah, and she provo- she tries to get Jimmy, manipulate Jimmy by saying you could do the right thing. And then Jimmy again reminds oh us of his, his life-changing decision that he's no longer going to try to do the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> My question, you know, what is all this manipulation? Like, seriously, Rebecca sat in that courtroom and she heard everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And then she's going to come and be like, you need to do the right thing, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. It's like, no fucking way. Yeah. Like, did she just not hear what the whole thing was about? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I just think it's mad. Yeah. Um, Um, So she leaves. Well, she makes reference to how um, she has to help because he's your brother. Like, that's the other thing. So there's this this whole thing about the notion of doing right or wrong, which is a common thing. Mm -hmm. And then this other family trope that you have to help your family. You have to do it. He's your brother. You have to help him. Um, right. And then Jimmy's response, which is, he's not my brother anymore. Which is That's another very common trope in LGBT culture is that you choose your family, you can choose your family. Okay, interesting. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, as you're saying that, I realized the next scene we've switched over to Stacey and Mike, and it's a similar thing going on there with them. Um, Mike being sort of um, manipulated into uh, doing this concrete pouring job <laughs> by Stacy, yeah. who puts him up for the job before asking him. Uh, and he initially doesn't want to, but then it's the same thing, isn't it? It's like you do the right thing because it's your family, you know, and it's like Mike wasn't going to go back to the support group, the morning support yeah. group, but she said, but she wants him to. And, and he, he says, well, if it, if it's good for you, then I'll do it. Um, yeah, yeah, sort of. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it's good. That's totally a under thumb. 
Yeah. Um, um, so then we cut from the church scene. So that was the church group. And um, he agrees to do the playground. We cut from there to Howard at Chuck's. So Howard turns up at Chuck's. So there's a bit of time hopping going on, you know, like because yeah. the, the church scene was during the day. We had the champagne at night and we had Howard and Chuck at night. But is there yeah. like has a day passed? So is this like the second night or is this maybe so have they just fucked the timeline? <laughs> yeah, I think um maybe a day has passed or that yeah, good question. I don't know. But interestingly, in this next scene with Chuck and Howard, actually I don't know how interesting it is. Um, Chuck, we do get to find out exactly when it, this is all taking place, um, short of the actual date, of course, but um, Chuck pulls out a bottle of 1966 whiskey and says 35 years old, so yeah. we now know that the story is taking place in 2001. I don't know if we knew that from before. Probably if we paid enough attention, we could have worked that out. That's um, really interesting because on the door of the hearing room, there was a date Oh, was it? Ah, yeah. There was a day outside the hearing room. Oh, good. Yeah, okay. And it was 2003. 02-2003. <laughs> well, maybe Chuck was rounding down the number. Maybe Hard was rounding down the numbers. I... Maybe yeah, was, yeah. the whiskey is technically 37 years old. Yeah. Um, fair enough. That's interesting. Okay. Or so, maybe, yeah, he... um, maybe we're, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's a fancy bottle of scotch anyway, 35 years old. Any booze that comes in a wooden box, you know, is pretty fancy. You know, that's how I tend to do <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's how I, I make only all buy my booze and buying decisions. Buy <laughs> <laughs> millions of pounds. That's it. It's not in a wooden box. Fuck me. <laughs> not only that, um, but it has to be oak. <laughs> yeah. Or something, something of that quality. So he's there to celebrate. Um, the news is in. He got a twelve-month suspension, which is still in Chuck's or in Hart's mind a good result. So he's spinning the PR. He thinks it's a good result. Mm -hmm. This is Chuck's crossroads, and that he has to stop looking back at Jimmy and start focusing on the future. Yeah, um, I f I find this comment interesting. You know, I've been doing a lot of introspection lately. Um, yeah, not this isn't going to be one of those too much information moments because. Uh, really it would be too much information but uh, but i sort of realized you can have um i don't know if you've ever thought of this but you can have like a mental habit or a thing you do um that you've been doing for much of your life young people won't understand this but when you get into your 40s i actually feel it's when you get into your 40s or your late certainly late 30s 40s when you it's only at that time in your life when you really have a perspective on your life right um, because you can actually, there's actually enough time has gone by and enough things have happened that you can observe factual patterns in your behavior and in the things that happen in your life, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so I can see, although Howard is, although Chuck is definitely older than his 40s here, but, um, but I can see how he would be sort of in a shell-shocked position of looking back at his life and ask, actually asking himself the question as to whether this long-standing vendetta against Jimmy stemming from their childhood is the thing which has... Sorry, I've got a crumb in my leg. <laughs> is the... <laughs> I don't know if I should keep talking. Shall I keep talking or not? 
<laughs> okay. What are you supposed to do with a crump in your leg? Are you supposed to lift your leg up? No, you stretch it out. You have to stretch the muscle out. But I have stretched it out. That's good. Out. Yeah, but it will, it will pass. <laughs> <laughs> keep talking. Keep talking. The show okay. must go. I'm only joking. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, can't, I don't even know where we, like, where was it? Where were you whenever I really interrupted? <laughs> I was, um... I was saying that it's, it's plausible, it seems to me, to an extent, that Chuck has reached a point where he he wasn't fully aware before of how much his life was driven by his uh, uh, antagonism with Jimmy and his need to be yeah. to do Jimmy down and uh, prove himself. Do you to think be that? But but I think that think it's possible that, that he's he's reaching that point and that Howard yeah. is really clued into something right here where where Chuck has to look back and say, look, has to recognize the extent to which that dominated his behavior and has to let it go and move on. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder whether Chuck does have that kind of, I don't know, the ability to reflect and look back yet, or is it too soon? You know, is it all very fresh after the hearing and everything else? Maybe. Will, Chuck, will it resonate with Chuck? Um, That's what we're going to find out Yeah, for sure Like we know that Chuck definitely did Hear Howard's words because The first thing we see after Howard leaves Is that he tries to take the batteries out of the machine So it's almost Mm -hmm. like he's confronting the condition Um, So yeah But I wonder if Yeah I guess you're right Maybe we will see that Chuck will reflect And decide that the better way forward is to To completely forget about Jimmy and everything else. I felt that um, at least until the end of this episode when we see Chuck out running around in his space blanket, um, um, yeah. I thought this might be them winding down the Chuck narrative completely. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean... That he would just make a quiet exit. How much more story is there in this? Well, I know that's the thing, and I thought, well, I mean, Jimmy at some point is just going to keep lawyering, and so what purpose does this whole Chuck's story really serve um at this point you know um for a while it looked like i thought i had i thought maybe chuck was going to come to a bad end i thought maybe kim would come to a bad end through their um yeah through their interaction with jimmy um but then it started to seem to me like maybe chuck was just going to gracefully buy out of the series um but um you know maybe there's they have something else up their sleeve you know it's always something yeah. with Hamlin, Hamlin, McGill. Uh, maybe there's more to come. I don't know. but uh... It has to be one of those two things. Either he gets back to work, like Howard's thing does the trick, and he snaps out of it, and he recovers from his condition, and he just goes back to work, or he has mm-hmm. another mental breakdown of some kind, or another another thing happens that um, that kills him, really. You know, we, there's only two ways that it can end. Yeah, true. storyline, you know. Yeah. Either that or they'll ju- he will just disappear the way the Kettlemans have disappeared and everybody else. I just think that he's a very big character, so they would need to tie it off in some way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. So from um, here we cut to... Are you ready to move on? Or do you want to uh, chat more about Chuck and Jimmy? No, that's okay. Yeah. From here we cut to um, Jimmy and... Kim's offices, the law offices of Wexler McGill. Mm-hmm. 
and Jimmy is getting ready to call his client. So we see his little fish. The scene opens when he's talking to the goldfish, which is now appropriated in its own little tank. Mm-hmm. And he starts calling his clients um, and we get this nice little uh, montage of him on the phone with his clients, telling yep. them the news about him taking a year off. Mm-hmm. Yep. Before they get the letter. And the last guy was, um, the last guy I spoke to was uh, giving him an affectionate rendition of how he, not yeah. that we, hear it, we hear it, we don't hear it, but Jimmy hears it. How he actually flew the plane that featured in Jimmy's ad, and Jimmy sort of has a, he seems to have a, a pause, a moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was quite a touching moment. You know, you do see Jimmy at his best there, where he's had this really genuine connection with that person. You know, he shows a real interest, and it starts by the guy with the guy saying that he watches his TV ad every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's how the conversation starts, Mr. Yellowitz. Yeah, but it's how these things filter into Jimmy's uh, unconscious, it's how they filter into his character. You know, Jimmy um, was highly duplicitous in how he got that commercial shot. You know, he took the old guy out there who wasn't even a pilot, um, faked the whole thing, lied to the serviceman on the airbase. And then now he's talking to an actual guy who actually flew this plane in the war. And he has a moment, but it doesn't really settle in. As soon as the as soon as the sh- the, the the episode moves on, Jimmy's back out um, pretending to be Saul Goodman with a fake uh, mustache, <laughs> shooting a new commercial for his hastily yeah. drawn up um, his hastily drawn up scheme to sell the four thousand dollars worth of ad space that he can no longer use because he's not lawyering anymore. I know, but what a what a pivotal, iconic moment where Saul Goodman <laughs> makes an appearance for the yes. first time, oh, season yeah. three. Yeah, <laughs> we see Saul Goodman. Saul comes out. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the preamble to that is when Jimmy realizes after the conversation with the old man, he realizes that his TV ad is still going to run and he has to get it off the air, mm-hmm. and that's where he has this problem that he's got. He's paid for the next nine slots and he's going to be out of pocket four thousand dollars unless he yep. can shift the tv ads so yep. he's out talking to kim about it he asks kim if she wants to take a look at the contract in jest i guess he didn't really mean it but she's up to eyes with mesa verde mm-hmm. um and he figures out that he has to spin it so he's, he's not allowed to sell the, the airtime so he has to sell commercials so instead of selling the airtime he's selling people the TV ad and he throws the airtime in for free. So it's a way for him to get out of um get out of the, losing the money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A way for him to not lose the money but not breach the terms of the contract by reselling the airtime. Yeah. Um so the first time we see him try to do this was with the carpet store, trying to talk them in to running a TV ad. He's got the couple who own the depart or the, the carpet store He's trying to sell them the full works package, four and a half grand or $5,000 for nine slots. Um, nine TV ads is how he's he's selling it. So they're not just going to run the same TV ad nine times. He's going to create nine different TV ads for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was hoping that they'd decide because they need to shit in 15 minutes. And then mm-hmm. um, that obviously doesn't fly. And it was a member of the camera crew gives him the idea then of creating his own TV ad rather than just letting the slot go to waste. He should create right. a TV ad to sell TV ads. Yeah. 
And that's where we see the creation of Better Call Saul because he can't go on as Jimmy McGill. Yeah. Um, the law, the trusted lawyer, it's the same slot. People know him. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't really work. So he creates um, Better Call Saul. This persona. Yeah. Saul Goodman. Mm-hmm. He creates Saul Goodman. And, the alter uh, ego. That's right. Um, yeah, and then we're off to Jim and Kim um, again. Uh, they're ta- they're, I guess they're talking about the, how the rent's going to get paid, and Kim is just assuming that they're going to give up the space and they're going to let go of uh, Francesca. Um, but Jimmy is not willing to give up on the dream, and he says, look, um, I- I'll continue to try to hold up my end of the bargain. And she's like, oh, where are you going to get the money? And he's like, oh, he said, let's call it aspirational thinking. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, he says, you'll see, he's going to get the money. Um, So, um, yeah. Sorry, that actually happened before the carpet show, the carpet TV ad. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Pardon me. (laughs) Yeah. So where do we go from there? Then where then he um where he's selling the ad it doesn't work blah 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 and then there's a, then there's a big switch in tone then we cut and we cut strongly with a uh, some tense music and uh, some sort of tense uh, dr- more dramatic music and we're with uh, Los Pollos Hermanos um, truck um, that's right and we're seeing the um, drugs being unpacked from four rectangular compartments in the bottom of a truck underneath. Um, uh, what the truck was carrying, which I'm not sure what it is. Chicken, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, the drugs are being delivered by um, by uh, Gus's people to Nacho, uh, representing Hector. Yeah, so he's there to collect their cut or their share um, because of the temporary arrangements that... Um, Gus is transporting his cocaine or his drugs, whatever it is. I think it's cocaine. Yeah. I think Nacho's really great. I love the way Nacho just wears this steely face all the time. Like he he doesn't yeah, smile. He, he looks so sincere all the time. Um, I think he does a great job of... Um, we just get such a great impression of Nacho's... Um, his business uh, face yeah. and his Very character. composed. Yeah unflappable totally mm-hmm. unflappable it mm-hmm. doesn't seem nothing it doesn't seem like anything is going to face him yeah um so he is taking his share and he takes six bricks instead of five so i guess this is where they're pushing the limits with gus they're kind of just testing to see what will happen um i don't know if that was pre-decided that they were going to try to take more drugs than they I were allocated, it was. or if it, it was. was just nacho at the time no it was because hector asks him later how, to, how did it go when he whenever he tried to take the Whenever he took the, the sixth package. Aye, okay. Yeah, they set it up. Yes. Um, so he takes the sixth brick. They freak out a little bit. They call Gus. Um, and Gus is like, just give it to them. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just a different way of doing business. Like, I can't imagine Hector would do that. You know, it's like almost the tables are turned now. Who works for who was what Hector said. Whenever... Mm-hmm. They were in the cafe and the guy didn't pay his full amount. Um, that was all he had to say was who works for who. And Hector yeah. went out and dragged the guy back in and kicked his, kicked, gave him a yeah. kick and um, kicked his shit in. 
<laughs> and whereas with Gus, he doesn't Gus doesn't doesn't stand up to them at all. He just says, "Give it to them," you know. Yeah, interesting. Different way of doing business. So, I mean, yeah. I I often look. Sorry, this is just a wild tangent thought running across my head here, but I often look at the criminal underworld or crime in general, or or say unregulated capitalist situations or you know autocratic situations where there's a where the power structure. The hierarchy is determined by solely by power and there aren't really laws covering it. There might be codes of honor. There might be honor codes maybe or something like that, but there's no real um, law as such. Yeah. And then, so to me, that's pretty strong evidence of how humans behave in a situation where there's no law. That what will happen is like a, some, for, some sort of hierarchy will emerge in which um, certain forms of behavior like extreme violence and exploitation will just simply naturally arise right yeah um, which is a strong argument to me a strong argument against um, any form of libertarianism like we need laws in society just imagine if all of society worked this way you know like that if you did a bad job one day your employer could just give you a kicking <laughs> <laughs> you know what uh, i mean yeah. what kind of a world would that be <laughs> yeah but oh, can uh you imagine? <laughs> There'd be some hilarious brawls, I can tell you. Oh but, my god. What would know, happen though if the other guy gave the boss a kick and that would well, be like That's what would happen that that would happen. There'd be power struggles within organizations. Yeah. You know, the fucking staff at McDonald's would be assassinating the manager. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the fucking corporation would send in a new tougher manager and uh, to, to, <laughs> you know it'd be hilarious and then your fucking oh manager of burger king would be sending over some some guys to fucking take out the mcdonald's crew around the corner <laughs> but of course none of it would exist if it wasn't for laws and society well, that's, that's society's governed it would all break down very quickly i think that's that's true but yeah so Interesting though, definitely. I wonder if Gus was so quickly, it was so quick to kind of just let him have it because he knows that it's just temporary and he's going to have to tolerate it for a while. Or is it because of how Hector has already established his seniority by insisting that Gus carries their drugs? Like Hector mm-hmm. didn't back down. Um, mm-hmm. And like Gus is like his mule. Gus is Hector's mule. So Hector's the boss. He's going to take six, six bags of cocaine and that's just it. Yeah. Um, how will that end? I can't imagine that will end very well. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's I mean, it's an escalation of the battle between Hector and Gus. And so far, Gus yeah. has been very calm and collected. And he's like, he even saw it as an opportunity or as a good sign that Hector was struggling. Um, is a good sign to, to Gus that Hector's getting desperate means that Gus is obviously his business and his plans are going well. But yeah. at the, by the same token, you get the feeling that at some point, Gus is going to have to more firmly deal with Hector. Definitely, definitely. But um, I hope Nacho doesn't get hurt because I like Nacho. Her Nacho. I don't want Nacho to get hurt in all this. I like Nacho. <laughs> was Nacho doing Breaking Bad? I can't remember. I can't remember. I, I, don't, think, I don't think Nacho was in it. I, I don't think, but I could be wrong. Uh, who knows? So while they're on the phone with Gus, Gus is checking out some kind of industrial facility whenever he takes that call. 
So it's a big vacant facility that looks a bit derelict and he's wandering around checking out some equipment and stuff. Um, and then after he takes the call, he gets back into the car and there's a lady in the car. So I think it's the first time we've seen this lady. And uh, she asks if it'll do. And he said, I think she asked if it'll do or what he thinks. And I think he said that it will do. So that's. Oh, yeah, this is um, this is Gus's. His attractive business associate with an accent is what I've got here. I think she's got a, she's um, European or something. I seem to, I have a fuzzy memory of Breaking Bad. There's some sort of European um, uh, group oh, involved or something. Oh, fuck knows. I might be mangling that, but, but yeah, I think this <laughs> woman is a part of um, Breaking Bad too. I, she seems familiar to me. Okay. I could easily fact check that, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, and he's expect inspecting the laundry property, which goes on to be a feature of Breaking Bad. Um, yeah, that's right. Operations in Breaking Bad. I've written so. laundry in question mark. I thought it was going to be a laundry. I couldn't remember. Yeah. What the the business above was. Hmm. Um. So from there we cut to Chuck in his um tinfoil hoodie. So Chuck has um donned a blanket. <laughs> and is wearing it like a hoodie with the jumper over it or a cardigan over it and we join him as he's just taking off down the street so he's running down the street was he jogging or was he walking i can't remember walking quickly maybe yeah um and he's dealing with all the noise of um the streets in downtown and the bright lights and the traffic and everything else um and he makes a call to the doctor that served him at the hospital so dr laura cruz mm-hmm. um and yeah I don't know if he spoke to her or if she wasn't in. I can't remember. She wasn't in. He said he's going to try to arrange an appointment or something like that. Um, okay. He passes by a theater, and I happened to glance at the the, the billboard or the the sign, and, and the movie that's showing was Bunny Lake is missing. And he... I looked it up, thinking it might be something. It turns out it probably isn't, but it's a 1965 film um, about an American family that moved to London, and. Uh, they get there and the little girls at some sort of playgroup or something like that, or school or some shit. And the movie starts with the mother going to pick her up, but she's not there. And oh, okay. the playgroup people or school or whatever it is say they don't have any recollection of the girl being there at all, all day. And then the police investigate and they start to wonder if Bunny Lake, this, this kid really existed at all or was just a figment of the woman's imagination because the husband in the meantime gets rid of when they go back to the house none of the girl's possessions are there and so it's all made out to seem like she's sort of crazy and that the girl never existed and I thought maybe this is an allusion to Chuck's illness um, never having existed to begin with but at the end of Bunny Lake is missing it turns out Bunny Lake does exist and someone was trying to do away with her who got rid of all obsessions. So, so I mean, a very strange movie. Yeah. A strange and interesting movie. I've never heard of it, but it was apparently, it's got a fairly good rating on IMDb and it's apparently pretty good. I think um, it was remade. That's a movie that's been remade. Did that oh, really? not happen? Like on a plane with Judy Foster and her kids where he goes missing during a flight. And then it's like, nobody remembers him being there. Weird. But she's no, determined okay. that he's on board the plane and she's searching the plane like they're mid-flight and she's like searching the plane for her kids. That's terrifying. Hold on, I'm going to um, look it up. Carry on speaking if you want to. Well, I yeah, I mean, um, but anyway, it was just kind of neat, um, a neat little um, 
illusion. I, I like how they, they work stuff like that into this series. And there yeah. just seems to be hundreds of these little um, nuggets that you could pick up on and dive into if you wanted to. Yeah, that's um, right. The Jodie Foster movie is called Flight Plan 2005. Flight Plan, okay. okay. It's a really good movie. Jodie Foster's like one of my favourite actresses. I think she's brilliant. Hey, you know, maybe what's going to happen is maybe Chuck is going to go missing. Oh, he could do, yeah. Maybe he's he just going to go AWOL. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Maybe that's what they're hinting at. Maybe he'll check himself in somewhere and not tell anyone or something. Yeah, he could do. Maybe it'll hmm. be like a Mike storyline with um, Kaylee. Maybe Kaylee will go missing. Stacy. Could be, could be. Yeah, could mm. be. Anyway. Well, we'll see. So from there, we chucked to Nacho and Hector in the cafe again. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is the debrief after his collection. So Hector wants to know how it went to the collection. And uh, he's telling them that he took an extra an extra brick of cocaine. Um, Hector gets all pissed off because they put a gun to Nacho's head. So this is a real insult to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he starts to inquire about Nacho's dad's business. Mm-hmm. And he's looking yep. for a way to get drugs across the border. And it, it is Nacho's dad's business a good way to do that? He needs to set up his new supply chain. He's not happy to depend on Gust. And uh, and he starts to inquire. That yep. Nacho says that his dad's not in the business. And Hector's like, no, you will teach him. Sorry, <laughs> we should edit that bit out because I definitely shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think it's such a shame um, that we can't impersonate accents anymore. That was one of the best things about life is being able to impersonate other accents. <laughs> I mean, I whenever know. I meet people and they try to do Northern Irish accent, I just find it the most hilarious thing in the world. Like, oh, you know? I know, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, uh, and then uh, you get a call, and Taco turns out Taco knifed someone in prison, which is going to increase his jail time. And Hector yeah. flies off the handle. Um, I think they slit a guard's throat, is what was said. Right. They not slit a guard's throat. Something like that, yeah. And uh, but although before that, though, um, yeah, your point earlier about always doing what's right by family—that thing that uh, that came up with um, with Chuck and Jim, and also with Stacy and Mike. And now the same questions being asked of Nacho and his family. Yeah, and his because dad. we get this, we get this really pleasant, nice little family, familial scene of Nacho helping his dad's. After he's uh, taken all the drug money in for Hector, he goes back and he's helping out his dad's business. That he's at the sewing machine, and uh, that's right. And uh, it's like um, kind of a sad thing that uh, Nacho is now going to have this problem. That's right. Um... Hector freaks out whenever he hears about um, Tuco mm-hmm. and we see him scramble for his pills, which hints at like a, another storyline that is upcoming. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because at the top of the show or on the last show, I guess, Chuck remonstrates that he he regrets ever bringing Jimmy into um, Hamlin, Hamlin McGill. That's right. You know, like uh, he says he wished he'd never done that or he should never have done that or something. And in a way, that's a shadow of this. You know, it's like Nacho's going to be bringing his fam- father's business into yeah. the drug trade. And, yeah. you know, Chuck maybe had a point there that uh, at that exact moment in time, if he hadn't brought uh, 
uh, Jim into the business, maybe none of this would ever have happened. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's a nice little link. So from here we cut to Kim's. Mm-hmm. So this is back to Jimmy's storyline where he's trying to sell his ads. So he's telling Kim um, about how he's out trying to sell his ads about how he had to air a commercial this afternoon. She's worried. She said, oh, not the not the lawyer commercial or whatever it was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, no, that he made a new one. And she was just astonished that he was able to make a new ad and have it on TV that day, mm-hmm. And which is quite astonishing. Like, you couldn't do that here. Like, you wouldn't be able to do that here. There's too many legislative loops to jump through with the advertising standards mm-hmm. agency. Like, it takes weeks. Well, even, um, just to to to, to, even just to go on to commercial property to shoot anything, you have to jump through hoops. He just... He just strolls onto the the uh, the TV company's property, and films <laughs> films himself with their satellite dishes in the background, you know, and that's right. No one says anything. That's right. Did we miss that scene? We didn't talk about that scene. Oh, when he filmed the ad, when was that? That was. I don't know when it was. It was just a little. It was a very very quick scene, but we definitely didn't talk about it. I think it was in the previous episode. Was it in the previous episode? No, it kind of been in the previous episode because he. Was it? Yeah, I think it was. It was right after they tried to sell it to the carpet family, the carpet business. It was after he tried to sell it to the carpet business. That's, that, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It was in this episode. It was after he said aspirational thinking. Yeah, Jimmy selling ads, pressure sell to use ad slots, make own ad. Yeah, it was after um, the aspirational scene with Kim, aspirational thinking when him and Kim were talking. And before we uh, switched over to um, um, the uh, Los Pollos Hermanos drugs thread. Yeah, that's what it um, was. Yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, Kim says, um, how did you? Yeah, he says it's not my finest czar, whatever. Um, he doesn't want to show the tape. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, he invented a whole new character. Mm-hmm. And this is and, the unveiling of um, Saul Goodman. And she said, like, uh, how, how did you do that? And he says, it just came to me. You know, he actually claimed ownership of the idea to put an ad yeah, on for himself, right. even though it was the other girl who gave him the idea. But he just flat out lied to Kim and said it was his idea. Yeah, um, that's right. <laughs> which is those, it's those little lies, you know, that red flag. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we see Jimmy then in the Saul Goodman, Saul Goodman Productions um, with his like goatee. So the, the makeup artist is actually very good. The shin makeup artist puts oh, like a pretty goatee good. on him and everything yeah. else. Um, and he's out flogging his TV ads. Um, and I love the line um, right at the end of the ads where he's, he's, he's talking about, he's obviously... The, He's trying to sell the TV ads and he looks into the camera and he says, look at you, you're a triple threat, great service, great products. And most of all, that face, that face. <laughs> yeah, that was very good. It was funny. But yeah. Yeah. And that's where we end this episode. Mm-hmm. More than halfway through season three. Mm-hmm. That means we're in the final half of the season. Mm-hmm. Not half of the season, but the final half of the show now. We've we've watched more show right. than there is to go. Perfect. So we're over. We're just over the halfway point um, of Better Call Saul as a six-season production. Um, what do you think so far? 
I mean, I'm enjoying it. I don't regret that we embarked on this uh, project. I think it's been worthwhile so far. I'm sure it's going to get better as we get to the end. Um, it almost uh, feels like we're going to get the whole way to the end of season six before we get a hint of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, for Doesn't sure. It, like none of this is connected so far. It's like it's mm-hmm. like a spinoff with the same characters, but the stories are completely unrelated. It's weird, isn't it? It's like they've brought in this drugs business with Mike and uh, Gus and Hector. But aside from the fact that it's just ongoing, there's no clear connection. You know, that was the other thing I thought about Chuck. Chuck's storyline is like, how is the Chuck storyline going to help Jimmy get into? How how is it all going to interconnect? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It just it, it. it's all, um, and maybe that's the way they've shot the show. Maybe their idea was just to, just to coast and and see, see where it went. Yeah, uh, maybe nothing's going to happen. Definitely, definitely. It's funny because I don't know. A lot of these storylines are filler, really. You know, aren't they? Like a lot of the episodes that we watch are just a bit of filler until yeah. we get like to the storyline progressing. Um, so I wonder if whenever they thought about Bear Calls. It's all as a spin-off. Did they only see it as like one or two seasons and all of a sudden they had like a six season deal and then they had to create the content to kind of space it out a wee bit, which is where yeah. all these other stories are coming from. Possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, all, so all we really know. So yeah, I mean, all we really know is going to happen is um, that Kim is not going to be with Jimmy by the time uh, Breaking Bad happens yeah. and Chuck's not in Breaking Bad. So we just know basically that, well, or we... We think we know that those two relationships are going to end somehow. Yeah. And, and at the minute, that's all we're building up to. And it's, it's, uh, we kind of want there to be a big dramatic end. We want there to be, I mean, obviously, we don't want Kim and Chuck to necessarily get murdered. Come to harm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, we are sort of expecting a big drama. Um, yeah. To resolve. Well, two and a half more seasons to go. There better be something. I know. I know. <laughs> There has to be something, I suppose. There'll be more storylines. There's always something, isn't there, coming up? Yeah, for sure. And um, what's coming up at the back half of this season then? So we're halfway through season three. What do we have left to tie off? So we've got the ongoing drama around um, Nacho, Hector and Gus and how that's going to shape up, like what's going to happen here, this conflict that's developing between yep. between those two cartel businesses um we've um, and got a nice new storyline now with gus checking out the laundry so will that be in this season or will, will that be like a season four is that a season mm-hmm. four teaser is that coming up in season four season five um we've got chuck so what's going to happen with chuck now he's on the road to recovery so he's determined to be his illness it seems mm. What's Jimmy's storyline? He has to shift his TV ads. We don't really have a hint at what's next for Jimmy after the TV ads, do we? It's a whole year of no lawyering. And uh, maybe some yeah. time is going to pass between season three and season four. Um, yeah. Well, but, we know uh, he has to maintain employment. Like one of the conditions of his agreement, you know, to, to delay his sentence was that he maintained employment, reputable employment. So yeah. he has to do something. Like, mm-hmm. what's he going to do? What job is Jimmy going to go off and get? Yeah, You know, it yeah. can't be Cinnabon. That doesn't happen for years. <laughs> I mean, there must, there's been multiple hints that um, things aren't going to work out well for Kim through her association with Jimmy. Um, but we're not really getting any closer to that relationship deteriorating at this point. 
Yeah. Um, um, and then there's Mike and his involvement with uh, Gus, where we're getting yep. set up for him to get more involved there. Yeah, like you say, that's that's kind of it. There's kind of almost uh, nothing big happening in a way. Yeah. Not, well, at least it feels that way now that now that this whole business with the the tape and um, well, I guess can Chuck and Howard proceed to try to pin this uh, tampering with documents on Jimmy, or is that a dead dodo now? I think that's it now. That's where would dead. they go? Like, where would they go to? I yeah. don't think they could go anywhere with it. Right. I think that's gone. I think yeah. will there be will there be further drama around it though? Like, well, is there another storyline in there? Maybe. Like Chuck had a big fucking meltdown on the stand. Like it was very public. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So what's gonna happen next for Chuck? Is he gonna be able to make a return to the law practice? Or Hired seems to think it's pretty positive. You know, mm-hmm. he's all for it at this stage. They were celebrating it. So right. is he gonna be able to return to HHM? Or will mm. it just be EHH? Who knows? <laughs> so yeah, there's a few things that are hinted at, but no real big meaty storylines really at the right. minute, is there? Lots nope. of possibilities. Yeah. Good stuff. So thanks for listening. Let us know what you think. That rewind show at gmail.com. Yeah. I mean, let us know if it's good. If you didn't like the show, just don't bother telling us. We don't, we don't care. care. <laughs> yeah, we don't care. We don't want constructive criticism. Like, I mean, we're we're not trying to do um, an uber professional podcast here. So, <laughs> so any hints and suggestions about professionalizing ourselves are not welcome. Oh yeah, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe our next, maybe our next effort. I think our foray into the eighties movies is going good. Um, we're stalled because we have to catch up on Better Call Saul. But I thought our yeah. first um, our first few episodes of that were, were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, check them out. We've got, what are they again? E.T. So this is our <laughs> 80s movies your kids can't miss. We've done E.T. We've done Batteries Not Included. Are they the only two? I think they're the only no, two. We did, um, no, we did Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So yeah. that's a really good three to start with. Oh, my God. Yeah. Your kids are going to love you. Definitely yeah. check those out. Did we, have lab- did we have labyrinths on the list? I oh no, I think that's that, in our coming, we, that's our coming of age movies. Eighties coming of age <laughs> movies. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right. So this is uh, yeah, we've got lots coming up. ThatRewindShow.com. Follow us on Instagram and everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say? Not really. Um, uh, not really. I think maybe. Uh, no, no, uh, no. Never mind. I was going to say maybe we should take some fan suggestions or suggestions from people who who aren't maybe wouldn't describe themselves as our fans because we're not that good, but maybe just listeners. Maybe if we just take, uh, it might be an idea to take a listener suggestion of what uh, what show to cover because we've had some great shows. We could do oh, yeah. um, what we could do actually is we could do up a short list. Um, like yeah. for instance, some some shows we've been watching right now are um, Archive Eighty One. Um, I, which I, is, I think we should do Archive 81. That's, that's meritorious. Like a, it's very good. We are special. Okay, yeah, like a one-off. A special? Yeah. Maybe. It's a lot sure. to cover, but there was a lot of filler in those episodes too. I think you could cover it in two hours. 
Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Maybe we could, yeah, okay. Well, that's an option. Another option might be, have you started watching this? Um, there's a good one on Amazon right now uh, about, uh, about uh, the guy. Eh, it's the guy who did the um, the Goonies reunite the, the Goonies reunion uh, podcast episode video where he got all the he does these reunion shows. Okay. Um, it was last year, or the year before. I forget his name, but um, oh, and he played. I, um, I think he played the snowman in that Disney movie, that annoying Disney movie. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know it's annoying. Olaf. Uh, Olaf. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think so. And um, he he's in this show with What's Her Face. I keep forgetting her name, which I shouldn't, because she's a great actress and also totally gorgeous. Um, <laughs> um, where she's he starts dating this girl, and then turns out she's a werewolf. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm almost done that one. And oh no, I finished it. Uh, it's so good. I, I but there's only been one season. Oh my god! Wonder... Is this like? Is it like a very teeny? Is it very teenage show? No, not really. And there's like it's a bit Buffy. It's a bit like Buffy. No, no, no. Okay, it's a different show that I'm thinking of. Um, what else have you been watching that's good lately? Uh, I've watched. I've been watching a few procedurals, like detective procedurals, that are pretty good. But I don't I know if be... this is the right audience. You know what mm. I mean? I don't I think it's this kind of audience. I can see that as something that's being fun to do, though, if you get the right one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, there's been plenty of good TV shows out there, and there's more good stuff coming this year, like the Stranger Things. Probably final season is coming. Yeah. Um, um, the Ozark might be a good one to do. I haven't started it. Is it long though? It's five seasons. I know I don't want to get into another big long marathon like Saw. Like Saw's been great, um, but I'd prefer to do. I'd prefer to do pop ups, like okay. um, like the one that we're gonna do on archive 81 i prefer that, okay. that, that it's, it's more that so we're doing that then that's been decided i you know we, i think we should do it i think okay. we should do it we need to get out of <sighs> we're, we're doing things from years ago and we need to start doing things that are relevant now that people want to listen to today and not something that they watched five years ago you know what okay. i mean sure so that's the danger with things like saul and ozark or these are very long established um very long established shows you could probably do. You could probably do um, that other. What do you call the other sci-fi horror? You mentioned it a second ago with the kids. Yeah. Um, uh, what? The sci-fi horror with the kids. That's very eighties. Oh, Stranger Things. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you could probably do Stranger Things because it's only three seasons. So you could do Stranger Things. Isn't it yes. seasons? It's going season to be four. Yeah. Well, we'd have to be quick. And again, I don't know. I got a bit freaked out by Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm hilarious. I'm to stop watching it. <laughs> no, come on. Seriously. <laughs> I'll have to watch it during the day. I can't watch it at night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I haven't tr- finished Dark Archive 81. I'm on the last episode. Last episode's tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. For sure, Archive 81 is a good one. No doubt about that. I loved it. Yeah. 
Yeah. But there's so much. There's just so much good stuff out there. We should um, maybe after we I, get this out, yeah. after we get some of our other stuff out, we should take a poll and, and see what people want us to do. I think Stranger Things would be a good yeah. one. That's. Um, I would almost. Pr- mm, I wonder if there's going to be another season of Archive 81. I mean, they wrapped up that storyline, but I wonder if there's going to be another story. Yeah, I know. I wonder if there will be. Um, I'd also like to do things that are a bit lighter in tone, like where it's just a bit <laughs> of a laugh rather than it all being kind of sci-fi horror. Well, not the soul is sci-fi, but it's quite intense. But something mm. that we can just do and poke fun at almost. You know, you need to be able to poke fun at things as well. Like Selling Sunset or... <laughs> Have you watched any of Selling Sunset? No. Oh, it's fucking brilliant. Watch oh, the God. watch like you have to watch you have to watch a few episodes to get to know the characters a wee bit. But yeah, Selling okay. Sunset is fucking epic. It's really good. But it's like it... reality TV epic like, like the Cardassians or whatever, you know, it's Cardash okay. TV at its finest. <laughs> Alright. Okay, that could happen. It's not serious, it's very it's, What it's is good. it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll give it a it's try. About, it's about this real estate agency in, in Hollywood that sells like million dollar homes. Mm-hmm. And they've got like four women that work for them that go out and sell these fucking massive houses. And it's just about the four women that work for them. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. This <laughs> it is good. All right, I'll check it's it out. Really, it is really good. Excellent. Should we call this episode? Yep. Roll funny music. And Thanks we're out of here. Thanks for listening, etc., etc. Bye. Bye.